Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. Educate yourself. That is always is, is always good, and get a diversity of viewpoints to to um, draw from, and and listen to people that you don't agree with. I mean, I think that's really important. I mean, they they often talk about the echo chamber, but you can really learn a lot from people that you disagree with. That was Chris Cook, host of the long running and award winning Gorilla Radio Show, on which he's interviewed yours truly countless times. Well, I'm about to turn the tables and interview him on Post Woke and find out a little bit more about what's going on up there north of the border in Canada. And we'll get to that right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. I've known Chris Cook for at least 15 years. He's interviewed me countless times on his excellent show, Guerrilla Radio, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. Now that I have a podcast, I want to turn the tables, partly because Chris is a very interesting guy, but also because he's gotten into some pandemic slash free speech hot water up there north of the border in Canada, and I want to give him some space to talk about it. So, Chris Cook, welcome to Post Woke. Well, thanks for asking me, Mickey. It's, it's great to have the tables turned. Yes, and you could freak, speak as freely as you choose here. So I'm going to lead you in with sort of a, uh, I guess, a sarcastic preamble of sorts, because I looked this up and found out that the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms was adopted in 1982, and it guarantees freedom of conscience and, conscience and religion, thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other means of communication, peaceful assembly, and association. However, it clarifies that such rights are, quote, subject to reasonable limits prescribed by law, close quote. And there is a uh, notwithstanding clause in Section 33 that says provincial governments can override any of these freedoms as long as they make a public announcement that they plan to do so. Now, I share all of this as a preamble to asking you, Chris, to talk about being canceled up there in the land of Trudeau. Mr. Cook, what happened? Well, first of all, just hearing you read that about our constitutional, or, or it's uh, 
it really takes me back. That was brought home. Our it was the repatriation of the Constitution that was spearheaded by Pierre Trudeau, the father of our current Prime Minister, uh, and a, a much more um, substantial character, uh, both intellectually and uh, morally. I would argue. Uh, as for me, Mickey, well, I, you know that I, I've been doing guerrilla radio up at the university here in Victoria since 1999, been involved with the station for since 98, got my own show in early 99. And I've been doing the kind of work that you're familiar with, talking to interesting people that are um, covering topics that corporate and state media, as my blurb says, won't touch. Uh, so uh, I've been doing it a long time and, and pissing people off, as I see as my duty to on both sides of, of the issue, because I think that's what we're supposed to be doing in media. Uh, I've drawn ire in the past, but a few months ago, I was covering the COVID story, uh, the COVID origin specifically, a topic that I've covered with other guests, uh, uh, three or four different occasions without ever running into trouble about it. But this time, uh, the station flagged me for uh, content, and it became a back and forth between me and the station that resulted in them uh, unceremoniously uh, pulling my show of 23 or four years off the air with no recourse to appeal, as it turned out to either the station board or the board above them, the student society at the University of Victoria. So those are both things that are in the constitution of the station and of the UVSS, the student society. Uh, and I've tried to contact the UVSS and tried to fight it uh, to no avail. I, I've been entirely stonewalled in that. So that's kind of where I, the show is off the air. That's, and it has been since uh, October. So that's where I am now with that. So when you say, let me just re, um, reply to that last bit there. When you say it's off the air, you're still running Guerrilla Radio as its own separate podcast. Like you haven't stopped doing what you do. No, that's right. I, I didn't stop. I kept on going. I'm not going to. I mean, I've been working at home since the pandemic closed our studios, and uh, it's been a bit of a godsend to me, actually, because uh, I find it easier to do uh, logistically for me and more and more comfortable because, frankly, the things at the station between me and the powers that be there was not always smooth to begin with. Uh, because of other issues that I covered that ran afoul of uh, uh, orthodoxies of one sort or another. So it actually extended my association to some degree with the, with the radio station uh, working from home and the whole COVID thing, ironically enough. But yeah, I kept on uh, producing. I haven't missed a single show, a single week. It's a once a week Bravo. podcast. And, uh, and there is another university that still picks up my work uh, over on the mainland, uh, uh, Simon Fraser University, we're, we're on Vancouver Island here, and then the mainland is Vancouver and the rest of British Columbia. Um, so, yeah, it still technically is aired over there, but not here. Okay. I'm finished with you, Vic, or, or you, uh, CFUV, rather. Yeah, and I'm just thrilled to hear that because I'm like – I've known you a long time and I feel like you're doing something important and I get the very strong in impression that you enjoy what you do. And and speaking of that body of work, to bring it back to, to what the story you just told, <clears throat> you said like 
they unceremoniously just this one episode all of a sudden boom it's over but it's not like for 20 something years you haven't um touched a few third rail topics there mm-hmm. i'm looking at a list of people that have been on your show and just i'll, I'll highlight some better known uh, people that are for lack of a better word, are, are controversial. Noam Chomsky, uh, Michael Parente, Howard Zinn, Vandana Shiva. So you've clearly, in the past, not shied away from, as, as you said, was your mission. You haven't shied away from talking about topics that, by definition, the corporate media are going to, uh, at the very least, obscure, but for the most part, probably ignore. And yet this was the topic where one on the, in their perception, one screw up and no recourse, just it's no, no three strikes and you're out. It's one screw up and you're gone. I have that correctly, right? Well, uh, it's even tighter than that, Mickey. It's like, I, like I said, I had done the COVID origin story uh, for maybe even five shows already. And I it had never even raised an eyebrow. I had raised eyebrows a little earlier with somebody I'll talk to. Uh, I'll talk to you about if we have time. Uh, earlier in the 2022, but uh, on on COVID issues, but on a different sort of aspect of it. But what I did on this show that was different was we were questioning the origins theory and we were questioning the WHO. And that, I think, Mm -hmm. was the hot rail to question the the World Health Organization and their role in the... uh, uh, Lancet Commission report headed up by uh, uh, Jeffrey Sachs. That was the topic of that program. We, I was very critical of Sachs. And, well, my guest was, but I am too. And she questioned the WHO. And, uh, and that's where we started to get into trouble. Uh, wow. After the fact, of course. Yeah. And, and like you said, no recourse. So just for the listeners, no. just to make sure they're sure about this, like you they they didn't give you any opportunity to explain yourself or they didn't even deign to go into detail as to as to mm-hmm. what their quote unquote thinking was so it's it's um no i didn't get any specifics on what i had actually said that was yeah. offensive or anything this is very kafka esque you know yeah. uh, and and i got letters and you wrote one too and i got a couple dozen other letters from very prominent people that had been on the program that you know expressed their support for the show and and so forth and so on those went unread by the board that was supposed in, in the normal course of things as written up in the constitution of the radio station uh, they refused to even read them or open them. I, they people were telling me, "Oh, I couldn't." My that email that you gave me to send these letters to were blocked. And yeah. so, uh, when I got a hold of them myself, they just said, "No, we see no reason to provide any uh, platform or avenue of redress on this. We're we're good with what the station manager had said about it, who subsequently uh, resigned." I'm not even sure if that is related to what happened, but so it was, it's even doubly frustrating because the person that was pulling the trigger had left the scene as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that is incredibly frustrating because I was thinking as you just described that last section, I was like, well, this based on what you said a few minutes prior to that, that their unwillingness to even read an email is unconstitutional by their university constitution. And then one individual seems to be the judge, jury, and executioner gets you out of there and then he cuts out. Mm-hmm. And 
and yet there's still no recourse. But let me again reiterate that you, you're to some degree, it's like good riddance, and I'm going to keep going with what I'm doing, and there's no way I'm going to let their um, totalitarian tactics stop me from being the guy who does guerrilla radio since 1999. No, no, no. That, that's uh, well. My my wife, bless her heart, said that they don't deserve you anyway, Chris. So I, I thought, yeah, okay. And I'm not. I was really fighting it because I didn't want them to do that to somebody else. I didn't like being pushed around. I mean, who does, right? Yeah. And then I thought, well, this fight is going nowhere. I'm hitting my head on a wall, and I'm not going to keep on. You know, do I really even want to get back in and, and associate with these people? You know, Janine. Bancroft, who yes. was uh, an associate on my show for many, many, many years and, and had a great show in her own right at CFUV. Well, they pulled her plug too uh, some months earlier, um, but they just, well, they they criticized her in such an unfair and unseemly way that she just said, oh, well, you know, screw you. And, and after her association of more than, I don't know, I think it was 15 or 16 years at least, she pulled up stakes and said, I'm not going to deal with these people too. And, and hers was an excellent program as yeah. well. So. Yeah. I, I, I definitely been on her show sometime in the past and, and I wouldn't expect her to stick around in such a situation either. It's, it's, it's just a, uh, I mean, listeners to the show won't be shocked to find that in an academic setting that um, group think and the thought police are in control but when you hear a first-person story humanizing what happens, particularly when it's someone like yourself who has a long history there and a long history that involves tackling controversial topic, topics, this was the bridge too far, which is, mm-hmm. which is a, a really, really important point to reiterate. And so at this point, um, I was going to ask you, is there anything that people can do to help? But you're, you know, as yeah. your wife said, and I second it, it's like they don't deserve you and why you, they're not going to open the emails anyway. So, yeah. so, so people can just, people can start listening to Guerrilla Radio. They can start subscribing yeah. to your Substack, and I will put all those links in the um, show notes so that after they hear you and, and learn more about what you're, you, what you're about, like they can, you can start building an audience elsewhere. And I'm sure you brought a chunk of your audience with you even after you weren't at the, uh, University. Well, you know, well, I've been putting up on my own website, uh, gorilla-radio.com. I've been archiving shows, not from the very beginning. Uh, they didn't even have computers or internet. <laughs> the pterodactyls ruled the skies in those days. But uh, thanks, Kurt. But uh, I got to make it clear, though, Mickey, that the university doesn't is not in charge of the radio station. It is run under the aegis of the student society okay. and the student union building. So they're separate from the university. Um, but they are answerable. They have a constitution at the station and there's a constitution from the student society that uh, licenses all the clubs because it's a radio club. They both uh, preach about uh, freedom of speech. They are four square against censorship. Neither of these bodies would answer me or, or, or uh, hear my objection or even lay out the, uh, the charges, you know, whatever I was guilty of doing, but that just, cause I know that you've been doing your show for what, 15, 16 months now. Yes. Yeah, like you're up around what show 60 something, I guess. This would be 67. Well, the show, my fateful show was show 1090 or no, 1194. That was <laughs> the show that got me canceled. Now you can appreciate uh, especially if it's a once a week show, as I do, 
how long it takes to get to that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's impressive. And I'm, and, and it's really, really crucial that you not stop. But now that you clarified the universal Mm -hmm. university versus the student uh, club thing, it even begins to uh, make more sense in a twisted way because it seems like the trend is that, that the students are the inmates running the asylum on universities all across the globe. And there, the level of intolerance just grows on a daily basis where it's like you, 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 it's so classically woke that some, you can commit a crime, but not even know what the crime is. They'll punish you for it and try to, to blacklist you elsewhere and they quote unquote cancel, but they won't hear, they won't hear a single word out of you um, as to what happened or like, even if even if you somehow wanted to apologize, they didn't even want to hear from you. So it, that it, that made more sense in in the wo- in the woke sense to me that the students were running the asylum there because not that the universities wouldn't be capable of of a uh, thought control, but when you allow this current generation of college students, just seems the, the word that pops immediately to my mind is intolerant. It's just it, it they don't even want to be um, exposed to an opposing viewpoint. They don't want certain speakers to come on simply because they disagree with them. They just can't even be allow themselves to be exposed because the offense, the being offended and triggered is just so high. The risk of that, that they just can't um, allow to, they just won't let themselves be in that position. And now that makes more sense the way you described it. Well, it's a surprise to me. I'm old enough to remember when students were the people that were breaking the rules and people that were calling for more freedom. And now to see such a conservative environment, uh, I, it goes against everything that I was brought up with and even challenges my definitions of conservative and liberal and free and unfree. It's uh it's a confusing place to be for for an old fella. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm old enough to remember that too. I, I think I'm. I've just that last statement of mine was in, was my adjusting of of uh, perception and standards based on this. Um, it's it's such an overused term, but it's this Orwellian flip where if you if you're looking for rebellion, don't go looking on a college campus because they are the ultimate conformists. In fact, it's conform or be canceled. It's this you know they they wear they wear their uniforms, they have their mantras, they have they contr- they will literally control what you say. Like in thinking of something like pronouns, if you say something that they consider wrong, you're gone. So it's it it's I've never I've never in a million years imagined it getting to this point because it was always like you said it was a given that the that kids would go to college at least for to have 4 years of rebellion hopefully they hopefully they would leave there with some faculties of critical thinking but now it's they go to to college to be to have their um beliefs reinforced and um more deeply embedded so so yeah it's, they don't deserve you well you, what's frightening What's frightening to me is that 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 youth rebellion that that plays an important role in our societies or any society's progress. You, it's a natural reaction of the youth to try to 
change uh, to expand the parameters of their influence to go against the orthodoxies of their parents generation and this is how things move forward otherwise we'd all be lighting fires with sticks in caves right and yep. and to see that reversal that you described that is a as a, a frightening portent of a dismal future oh i, I couldn't agree more like like to again to not be to not be too uh, cliche here, I think about um, there was a time where Dylan sang, wrote and sang the times they are a changing. And he's one verse. He talks to the mothers and fathers that don't criticize what you don't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. The old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend a hand. And it's literally the re- it's literally the reverse like as an american i look i look up at canada and i see the adults are the ones doing the trucker protests and the the teenagers and the 20 somethings are the ones um trying to cancel you and it's 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 a uh, uh, try- and the key is trying because they didn't and you you're an old hand now at radio and if, i wouldn't mind i've never in all the time i've known you i've never asked you to talk a little bit about how you got started in what was then called radio, because I don't know, in this day and age, is radio even different from podcasting? That is, is that just semantics at this point? But when you go back to the 90s, what made you say, hey, I want to do this? I, not just that I, I care about getting these voices out there, but I want to be the conduit. I want to learn how to do the tech stuff. I want to do the interviews and get comfortable in front of a microphone. How, how did that get started for, for you? Well, it, it is to answer you. I still consider it radio, and I've started on like doing live on air stuff, which is a little different, uh, uh, much more exciting to me. But you, you don't get to edit out your mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I took a, I, I took a communications course here at the local college uh, when I was a young guy, and uh, radio was one of the. One of the aspects, but I wanted to get into the film industry, and they didn't have a film school here. And television was a, a big part of the uh, instruction at this uh, in this course, this program that I was in, and, and I followed that career. I went into television, went out east to Toronto, where you have to go. That's sort of our New York City, I guess, uh, in, in comparison to the U.S. and and actually got a job with the the state broadcaster, the CBC, in the film unit. Uh, it was a, a, a pretty lucky uh, break for me, but it just didn't it didn't turn out the way things uh, the way I wanted, and I was pretty unhappy living out east. I missed my west coast, and um, so I left after a few years and came back here after traveling for quite a bit. And uh, I, I was at a loss. I didn't know, you know, what am I going to do now? And I, I sort of sat down and said, "Well, what, what do you like doing?" And I remembered my school years, and I remembered I always liked radio. I uh, had a radio show while I was in school at the college and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll pursue radio. And I went to the local news station because I, I didn't want to get into doing music radio or DJing. I, I was interested in current affairs and politics. And, and I went and applied as the oldest intern ever in the history <laughs> of interns at, um, I was already in, in my thirties at this point and uh, went into this um, very conservative environment in the hard baked old school newsroom. It was really exciting and, really interesting and challenging politically for me. And I started writing news bits and they kind of trusted me a little bit more and more as time went on. And I started sliding in 
uh, more and more politically sensitive material, and they started trusting me less and less. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I, I, I one day phoned up the uh, university radio station just uh, just you know to find out you know what they were about, and I was so fortunate. It was a, a, a an amazing fluke. The guy who answered the phone in the studio was a guy named Tom Pluta. That was his radio name. But he was an old dude that had been in commercial radio where I was sitting phoning him from for years and years. And he said, look, dude, they're never going to let you write what you want to write. They're way too conservative. All the money goes to the loud windbag guys like the Rush, Rush Limbaugh types and everybody else scrabbles forever. But they'll, they'll never let you be free to do what you want to do. And, and I said, oh, and he said, come, come over here and you can do the stuff you want to do. And, and that's what I did. But, you know, I never got to meet Tom because literally he was on the way out. He was, I didn't know this, he didn't say, but he was dying of cancer. Oh. So by that time I got there, he had left the station uh, into hospice and died before I even got a chance to meet him. But Tom Pluta, I guess, is as much uh, responsible for guerrilla radio as anybody. Oh, I, uh, when I'm about to say I love that story, but I want to put the caveat: obviously, not him being sick, and but well, the, the him, like the timing and the synchronicity of you calling. He's the guy who answers. Mm-hmm. He gives you this life-changing message and literally checks out. The, yeah. It's just mind-blowing, and um, um, I'm sure everyone that's listened to Guerrilla Radio can be grateful to him for pointing you in that direction because it it could seem perhaps obvious in retrospect to say, oh, you know, mainstream radio wouldn't let me do this, this or this, because the impression of radio for me growing up was that you could be more controversial on radio than TV by far. But it's it, it's almost like this contrived controversial while you're saying, I just want to explore topics that maybe others consider controversial, but I'm not choosing them because they're going to make people angry. I'm choosing them because I care about them and I feel they're underrepresented out there. And then it the word controversial comes comes into play because you can't control what someone thinks of you, but you weren't just, you weren't like a shock jock trying to just, you know, blow people's minds. You, you recognized like a lot of people, certainly of that generation recognized that there was this, this gaping hole in the, in the telecommunications world that uh, a whole bevy of viewpoints were just being ignored. I grew up in New York and we had, and we still have a version of it, but back in the day we had WBAI, um, listener funded radio and radio. I'm talking pre-internet. And so I would have a stereo in my living room and tune it to 99.5 and listen. And I remember Amy Goodman getting her start on there. She used to do a morning show before she was Amy Goodman and lots of people, Gary Null, lots of people were on there and I, and they, advertised themselves as a classroom on the air. And I can personally say I was a student of WBAI. Yeah. And, and, and look at where that has gone now. Well, but you know, there was one time, I mean, I was, I was the, I wasn't trying to make people angry. I was very angry myself at the way the media was the, the coverage of one of the most important issues in that, in the context of that time when I was starting was the destruction of Yugoslavia or what mm. they were calling the former Yugoslavia. Um, I, I knew Serbian people that were telling me that this is 
BS. What you're hearing is totally untrue. Um, and I, the more I looked into it and the more I started interviewing people about it, I, I realized that, that what was going on here was a, was a, a societal directional change. And I had grown up, I'd become politically aware during the Vietnam era, the Vietnam War era, or the American War against Vietnam, more properly. And so being an anti-war um, person was just a, a part of me uh, from the very beginning. And then seeing the way that first Bush Sr. and then Clinton had taken over and, and was redirecting uh, the society's resources and uh, mental focus into one of what came later to be known as the permanent warfare state. Uh, and the media was not saying in, in this country was not saying anything about it. It, it was being entirely ignored. And, and I just found that outrageous. And I thought, well, for history's sake, at least I know that this program is not going to make a huge amount of difference in what's going on, but at least those people in the future can look back and say, well, at least there were some people here that could see that this wasn't was crap and untrue and un, um, unconscionable, and we're speaking up about it. Like when we when we look back at the Nazi era Germany, and people say, "Well, how how could the people have allowed this to happen?" and so forth. I wanted to make sure that those future generations wouldn't look at this part of the world, at least, and say, "Oh, well, how could they sit by while thousands and millions were were killed in in these unjust wars?" Uh, that, amen to that. That's that's wonderful, and I, I I hear you loud and clear. Let me just back up really quickly because you you were give, you were kept correcting yourself on the name of of the Vietnam War, and mm-hmm. just F, I I think I've settled on U.S. invasion of South Vietnam. Just for the record, that's but uh, but yeah, it's like the Vietnam War just doesn't um, do any justice in terms of accuracy. But I, I remember that time period. The 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 they called it the NATO bombing of the Balkans. And I believe on the last time we chatted, we were throwing names, we were throwing out the name Slobodan Milosevic and saying, does anybody even mm-hmm. remember that name? But it, the, the fact that they, that they will remember it because of say the work you were doing, it's, you would make Tom Pluta proud, like who inspired you to, to do that work because it's, that's ultimately the goal where you, you don't have the pomposity to say, I'm going to do this show, which is going to change everything. But you you can mm-hmm. be a cog in a different kind of machine, a machine of, of justice, a machine of, of fair reporting. Because you started out early on saying that I, I, I try to um, like you, you don't just pick on one side as if there's only two sides anyway. And, and you, you, you look at things objectively, you have your personal opinions, but you want to just dig and find the information that is not being shared by the mainstream. Well, if everybody, if everybody is pissed off about something that's been said, then I think that's a successful, a, a successful show. Be, it's covering all angles fairly, you know, as long as if everybody's happy, uh, well, I don't think that's even possible, but yeah. if only one group of people are happy, then you've, you've failed entirely. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and which leads me to, 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 to discuss like the concept of alt media, alternative media, do, do you particularly in this current environment where we, the way we described it earlier on with, with, um, with the, the COVID censorship, do you recommend more than ever that people listening to you, listening to this show really seriously start considering becoming the media 
in their own way to, to, to begin bypassing the fake news, bypassing the censorship, bypassing the propaganda, and as you just highlighted, also leaving a record of, of like almost a template of how future generations can continue this tradition and not just because it seems like in many in many ways i feel like we're split into these two groups where there's one group that out of fear propaganda will believe anything they're told but then there's this other group that recognizes the fear propaganda but the only recourse is like complaining on social media or something like that but that's not the only recourse and and becoming part of the media or supporting the media, I think is, is supporting the alternative media. Uh, these are really, really valuable steps. Would you agree with that? Well, I think that the, the two groups are the people that believe everything they hear and the people, the people that don't believe anything they hear. And, <laughs> and those are, those are equally unhelpful. Uh, yeah. Great point. People, people educate yourself. That is always, is, is always good and get a diversity of viewpoints to to um, draw from and and listen to people that you don't agree with. I mean, I think that's really important. I mean, they, they often talk about the echo chamber, but you can really learn a lot from people that you disagree with. I, I remember the way that I disagreed with Ronald Reagan and I demonized him. I was a young man fervently, and I still think that he – I still don't agree with him politically, just put it that way. But I remember the way that people on the left used to denigrate the people that thought Reagan was great. And they did it in such a personal way and in such an unfair way, I thought at the time, that it could do nothing but strengthen uh, strengthen Reagan and his supporters. And, and that's, I think, what it did do. But nobody would listen to some of the some of the things that they said, uh, the people that were supporting on the what was then recognized as the right, uh, work uh, common sense things that uh, that they could agree with if it wasn't for what later became the Trump syndrome. Well, then it was the Reagan syndrome. That, you know, anything that came out of that quarter had to be uh, annihilated. Mm. Uh, that that's a doomed uh, a doomed course. You know, so yeah, definitely seek out opinions you don't agree with and and fairly listen to it and try to make sense of it. It'll, if nothing else, clarify your own position. Yeah. And the way to, to seek them out is to break free of, of these, of the, the, the narrow parameters of current debate where, where people will literally say you're either Fox or you're CNN while BlackRock and Vanguard own both, you know, media outlets. Like the like the the narrowing of those parameters eliminates an incredibly broad range of people that that could be just outside those parameters or pretty far outside of it. But if you if you allow yourself to step back, you can recognize your own biases going in there. And and I think that's always been, you know, we we just waxed um poetic about the the old radio days, but that's always been the value of a of an of a sincerely um, alternative media where you you're going to hear voices that and opinions that you're you're not exposed to on a regular basis well and honestly coming from canada when you when you say the difference between fox and cnn i i can hardly see it but you could also say that the difference between the republicans and the democrats well they're both owned by blackrock and, and the Yep. And their ilk as well, you know. So, uh, why, you can get all caught up in the blue-red divide if you like. And we have a similar situation in Canada where we've got a bifurcated political system. I mean, we do have third parties and fourth parties, but they're marginal at the at best. 
and uh, but these guys just play ping pong with power, and and the policies never really change. Yeah, they get just get different names. I I, I believe. Um, I, I think I, I'm sure he wasn't the first to say it, but but Chomsky used to always say it was old. It was old wine in a new bottle. That's mm-hmm. and and you would just we would too many of us would fall for it all the time. So you mentioned before that you wanted to say something to, about a earlier guest you had on your other right. show, show about COVID, which I'll just pre I'll just preamble that by saying, do you feel now that you're more free to do COVID related stories and coverage in, in on where you are right now, but feel free leading to lead into that by talking about the guests you wanted to mention earlier. Oh yeah. Well, absolutely. Um, and, and it was a, a weight off of me because I was self-censoring and not changing my beliefs, but I would just say, okay, well, I'm not going to do that show. Or if I talk to the person that has, uh, that I'll avoid this area, uh, you know, so that I don't run into trouble. No, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. I do it. I Great. whatever I want, um, which is, I, I guess, the ultimate luxury. Uh, and oddly enough, the person I'm talking about you know, that's Kim Goldberg, and uh, you can find her at uh, um, at Substack at Kim Goldberg X One. But Kim was kicked off Twitter, and then she kept doing new names, and, and they kept catching up to her. It was like an arms race, you know. And but she's been re- reinstated, so she's back at Twitter now, and she's uh, happy that uh, Elon Musk is reinstated and followed through. Uh, but she's at Kim Pig Squash uh, at Kim's Pig Squash there, and, and and she's brilliant. And I'm looking at one of her articles now, actually from August at. Uh, Substack called Guns, Gardens, Quarantine, and Euthanasia. And it's about Canada. But Kim, uh, the last time I got into trouble about COVID, uh, COVID rather, in uh, with the station was a show that I did with Kim uh, in December of 2021 about um, mass formation. And, and you've interviewed uh, Matthias uh, Desmet as well. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, not as well, I haven't interviewed him, but we were talking about his book and about this uh, 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 idea of his, which has since been, I think, uh, justifiably critiqued. But uh, at that point, we were just talking around it and, this, and Kim made some com- allusions or some comparisons to the Nazis in Germany and that her family, uh, her extended family, she's Jewish and had been uh, uh, almost wiped out by the Nazis. And so she felt that any anything that smacks of Nazism or totalitarianism really got made her uncomfortable. And, and we were talking about her discomfort, not whether she was correct about that or that the WHO was actually the Gestapo or anything like that, you know, but uh, that's the way it was interpreted by the station. And, and so that was the first salvo across my bow. Um, And uh, yeah, I could talk about more about that, but uh, her, her article uh, about guns, food, quarantine and MAID or the, or made, which is the euthanasia policy in Canada that, uh, she talks about the, our, what's going on in this country uh, and the subtle and not so subtle uh, changing of direction uh, of our, the democracy up here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not that familiar with her, so I am going to include in the show notes, I'm going to look up the uh, Substack and the Twitter and include that in there so that listeners could learn about her at the same time because it follows suit of our 
previous part of our conversation, seeking out these new voices and or maybe not new voices, but different voices, anyone you haven't heard before to learn from. And I could imagine that that even evoking the Nazis in any way has to be done in the official way where mm-hmm. as we as you and I spoke where you can call these official enemies the next Hitler and nobody's offended nobody's mm-hmm. offended by that but if you if you point out that the the incremental introduction of restrictions and rules the way it worked during the pandemic lockdown and continues now towards the great reset it follows the model of groups like the Nazis, then everybody gets upset because that's not the right way to, to reference Hitler and the Nazis. So, um, yeah, bravo to her for, for, uh, for making that connection and to you for giving her space to do that. But as we get close to wrapping up here, I, I just mm-hmm. want to, how did it feel to be interviewed? Cause you've done, a, you said you were at 1194 shows, something like that. So yeah. how often have you been interviewed and how did it feel just now to be interviewed, Chris? Well, I've not been interviewed 1194 <laughs> times, that's for sure. <laughs> um, it, it, I find it, uh, well, I don't have to worry about writing scripts or anything. I can just come on here and talk about stuff that I know. I was a little nervous that I wouldn't be as interesting and I wouldn't uh, match up to your August list of previous guests on on Postwoke, which uh, is, is very impressive. Uh, especially so when I see people that I, that I've interviewed myself on there, (laughs) but uh, no, it's a, it's a shoe on another foot. And I think that is exactly what we were talking about earlier is that is uh, um, such a necessary and refreshing uh, point of view to, to get out of your, um, your usual and to see things from the other perspective. Uh, This will make me a, a better interviewer. Um, I have been interviewed in the past a, a couple times on radio, and I did quite a few tele- local television, the cable access uh, shows where a friend of mine would, you know, anytime he needed a guest at the last minute, I'd go on and do some TV with him. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, more used to being at the other end of the mic for sure. Well, you more than more than fit in with everyone I've interviewed. Let me just clarify that. And I feel like I, in these 15 months or so, I've had to do the opposite. I, 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 I don't know if I'm repeating myself from when I was last on your show, but it's, I, I can't really calculate how many times I've been interviewed in my life. And it's a fun process. And as you just kind of hinted at, it gives you a chance to, in real time, sort of interrogate your opinions because someone's asking you a question and you have to fill space. So when you're interviewed, you're like, all right, I could just be a politician and say nothing, or I can really try and and make a point and have some nuance and context. And I feel like, like I had nothing, you know, in our conversations, I was sure that's who you are, but always I did more of the talking because I was the guest. And so this has been really awesome because I learned a lot about you and you you I hope this leads to you being a guest on a lot of other shows because you have you are interesting and you have a whole lot to say and you have tons of experience and historical context so I'm I'm really grateful that you made the time to do this I know you're a busy man and I'm just glad that that you know this just adds another uh chapter to our connection because we've known each other a long time but now you're on my show well, I'm, I'm happy that you asked me and happy to do it, of course. And, and, and as far as karma goes, now I only have a, a 1,175 more interviews to do and it'll be all paid up. <laughs> it's right around the corner. Yeah. So, 
Chris, thank you so much for all you've done with Gorilla Radio. I will include all the links in the show notes and so that people can find you. And just thank you for being a friend and for, for being on the show today. I, I had a great time talking to you. Uh, thank you, Mickey, and keep it up at uh, Postwoke. You're doing important work there. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you are getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool, kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. Chris and I talked a lot about alternative media here, and I just want to put this idea out there. When you live in a very profit-driven culture, like the way it is virtually everywhere on the globe, you can vote with your dollar. Obviously, it has way more power than any vote, any ballot you pull inside a voting booth. And what the reason why I bring this up is we all know, well, we all should know, that the media is just part of the corporate power. And then we're left to argue over which corporate media outlet is the one we align with. So why not create the world that you want by supporting alternative media? And this isn't just a pitch to get you to subscribe to Post Woke, which of course I really hope you do. It's five bucks a month. But you could subscribe to Chris Cook's um, Substack. You could subscribe to any number of Substack or similar outlets. The idea is that if you want and a multiplicity of media outlets that offers a wide diversity of perspectives, we have to support that. We have to support that. And if you have the resources to do so, I urge you to subscribe to these outlets and show them your support. And if you don't have the resource then in something like Substack, then become a free subscriber, spread the word, share the links, get active in the comment threads, and just do your part to vote with your your mind besides your money of saying that I don't like the way things are, but I'm not going to just sit back and complain on Facebook. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to support the people who are trying to create an alternative or many alternatives. Or on top of that, or at the same time, start your own media. You can, any one of you can create a podcast or a blog site or whatever it might be. And the idea is to do your homework, 
know what you're talking about and get the word out there and become part of the alternative media community. So I just wanted to get that in there after speaking to Chris. I hope that that resonated with some of you and to everyone. I close as always saying, keep your guard up.